It can travel anywhere in time and space. Right. This is going to be fun. Up we go. Into time and space. Welcome to Time and Space, the Nerd Party's dedicated Doctor Who podcast. I'm Jessica Nunn. And I'm her husband and co-host, Philip Gilfus. What sort of banter shall we start with today, my <laughs> darling? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Again, it's been another busy week. Mm. This might be it for me. Um, still doing a GRE prep and then trying to turn in my uh, PhD application. So, And I'm making a musical. Right. So, uh, so we're being... Nerds and artists, I guess. Yes, and but it's always nice uh, to do a podcast together because then we get to be in the same room, which yeah. is exciting. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, yeah. So let's just get into it. We're of course we're going to be talking about Demons of the Punjab, another the sixth episode of series eleven, depending on how you're counting the series. It premiered November eleventh, twenty eighteen. And would you like to read our synopsis, darling? Yes, please. With Yaz desperate to learn more about the life of her grandmother, the 13th Doctor brings her friends to the Punjab in 1947 to meet her in the past. But with a marriage unknown to Yaz on the cards and the partition of India threatening to pull her family apart, it may not be the mysterious demons that are the biggest threat. Yes, and here to help us talk more about this is our special guest, and that is Miles. Miles, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Sure. And would you like to uh, talk about how we know each other? Oh, well, we know each other because I uh, I also have a podcast. It's uh, it's called Doctor Whose Line Is It Anyway, which basically is a comedy improv Doctor Who podcast. We uh, get existing episodes of Doctor Who, uh, we watch them all together, and we turn the sound down and we make up stuff over the top of it. So, <laughs> And uh, we know each other because you are now one of our cast members. So. Yes, yes, it's been fun, um, apart from time differences. It's been very fun. <laughs> oh, time um, differences. We know time differences very well. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, interestingly enough, uh, the reason I got uh, hooked up with your podcast was because we had Kat on as our guest about several months ago, yes. talking about Galley One, which we will now oh, be yes, attending. So it all mushes together about spreading the word about all things yeah, Doctor Who. We're all one big happy family. Yes. You say happy. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know your personal life that well. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know, Miles, you said you've been itching to talk um, all things Doctor Who. So before we get to this specific episode, what have, you been te- what have you been thinking of the 13th Doctor's run so far? I'm enjoying it very much. Um, I'm, I'm old school. I'm very much old school. My, my first episode, um, I think, was the Sea Devils. It's the, the earliest thing I can remember. Um, and that goes back to when it was originally on transmission in the UK. So um, I'm coming to I'm coming to the table here with a 46 year history of Doctor Who. So, mm-hmm. um, and do you think that they? I mean, how much? I mean, of course, every Doctor is new, but of course, we have a new showrunner, even though he's written before. But do you feel like there's a lot of new things, or is it just sort of you know the homage continues, or or, or are you from a classic perspective on all that? Um, I've I've enjoyed every single iteration of the show, um, even the Colin Baker era. Oh, see, I was about to say that. <laughs> Bless you. Now there's going to be a fight. <laughs> <laughs> and you're going to do your Perry uh, imitation. No, no, I really do. I, 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 love, I love the whole show in, in, in mm. every format. This does feel different. This possibly feels more different than anything has felt so far. And 
there are times when I, I mean, it hasn't quite felt like Doctor Who to me, I must confess, but I'm still enjoying it incredibly much. Uh, Jody, I think, is doing a great job. I'm loving the team. Um, and we've had some very good episodes. Yeah, one, and one thing that I noticed, especially with this episode, and we'll get into it, but generally speaking, I feel like these episodes have been, this is not a good word, but for lack of a better word, softer than other Doctor Who episodes. And that's not a, a criticism, but it's more sort of, in a way, it's almost sort of more classic British drama. You know, it's very subtle. Yes. It's not like the yes. universe is going to explode or big human monster. I mean, there have been, but it's just more like about the people. I, you know? I think I think uh, Chibbers is is breaking everyone in gently with this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah. in, back in the back in the day, um, you could get these very contained episodes, very contained stories where the the threat was very localized. Um, it's tended to get grander and more grandiose and wider reaching as uh, as the new series has, has progressed so this is kind of yes in a way going back to the old days um, but with a new slant on it and, and yeah it's good it's nice not to have you know the universe at threat every single week because uh, it's a bit old hat after a while <laughs> um, yeah. and yeah I, I like it that we're also getting a lot of stories where there's there's no majorly threatening villain or, or or even a villain at all in fact and that or the the um that the villainous threat is something that we're not expecting the villain is us the villain Spoiler. is uh, yes yeah well yes. for the second time in in four episodes yes. yeah yeah um yes so let's get into it now i thought one of the things that has been sort of going on in the in the faniverse or in the whatever you want to call it <laughs> is that oh we want to hear more about Yaz we want to hear more and more about Yaz and so mm. this is quote unquote a Yaz episode but is it really and so what do you think Jessica is this really a Yaz episode I mean I don't think we learn more about her necessarily although we do learn a little bit more about family dynamics um, you know she's the favorite <laughs> granddaughter <laughs> oh that was brilliant. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and her, this is the first time we've met her grandmother right Anani. Um, so that we learned that and expanding her family universe I guess. yes and and still this lack of communication um you know there's this whole life that her grandmother had that they don't know it that she doesn't talk about and of course we now know why mm. but even at the end of it when the grandmother offers to tell her about the watch and Yaz says no don't do it right now mm-hmm. which I found an interesting choice and may have just been you know don't do it right now because we only have five minutes left in the episode <laughs> but... an extra five minutes it seemed like but... yeah yeah <clears throat> um, wait for the DVD so I... special release yes <laughs> yeah so I think that we learned more about Yaz, but I, I'm not sure it's a Yaz episode. Yeah. What have you been thinking about Yaz, and what do you think this episode did for her, Miles? Um, again, yes, I, I, I agree with Jessica, really, um, that it, it didn't it didn't focus on Yaz as much as I thought it was going to. We've, we're getting more of a flavor of Yaz as time mm-hmm. goes on. I think each, each episode, something something is added to the to the mix. Um, so it's almost like um, Christmas Day and very slowly unwrapping a present mm-hmm. and just getting a little hint of what it could be. Ooh, what could, oh, oh, I can see a bit of yellow there. I wonder what that could be. That is, Stop we, we shaking could... yes. <laughs> <laughs> She's rattling. Um, 
Yes, and so so yes, I think I think that's what we're getting, and I think we're we're on a slow burn with yes, and I think this is very possibly deliberate. We've gone in quite hard and fast with with Ryan and with Graham, who mm. have made mm. a big impact, and and Yaz is is the in in horse racing terms, she's the one who's coming up from behind on the rope. She's she, she'll be. Um, you know, making progress as the race goes on. I'm sure we'll get to learn more and more about Yaz as time goes on, and that's good because we don't need everything all in one hit. Yeah, and I think you know some. Well, not criticism. Um, someone has been, or a lot of people have been saying that Yaz is sort of the you know the logical person, the the Nissa, if you will, of the group. And here she's acting emotionally. You know, like oh, you know, everyone's like, I think our hour's up, and she's like, No, I'm staying by. You know, yeah. but but <laughs> you know, pop. which is you know a natural reaction, of course, given all this mysterious. Kind of reminds me a little bit of the the Rose episode where she, they meet her dad. Or, you know, mm. Oh yeah, it was a lot. <laughs> like that in terms of no we can't go back oh we're going back anyway oh we can't interfere oh we're interfering but with Yaz being way more restrained than Rose was (laughs) yes yes she's not like that's not my grandfather well she almost said that I did like how that much the doctor is you know I I was saying something the other day about watching an episode like we haven't seen her use psychic paper and then she finally did but (laughs) she's very you know doesn't use it that often she's just more of the you know, creating excuses and reasons mm. of why they're there and correcting people of like, you know, <laughs> oh, and we're here for the wedding blessing. That's why we're here. Yes. And I'm liking this. I'm liking this a lot because this is, this is again, this is harking back to what the show always used to do. The sonic screwdriver was never the, the be all and end all. It was never the solve everything device that it is mm-hmm. now. The sonic screwdriver of today is more like an iPhone that can do everything as opposed <laughs> to the thing that you used to plug into the wall and have to dial um, that's what it was back in the day, and um, for the second time this this series, we've had the sonic screwdriver basically taken out of action, and the Doctor having to use her brain and improvise oh, yeah. and come up with a, a a wonderful selection of ingredients, including um, ox spit and chicken poo. So uh, no, yeah. not not chicken poo for me. No. <laughs> like how Ryan called that. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, um, yeah. So it. so that's good. It, it's you know the doctor should be seen to be to be using her brain and and intelligence and and personality to get out of the of the problems and not relying on you know the magic device that does everything. Yeah. Yes, and, and we, we're getting a lot more science. I was about to say. Because yeah. Of it. yeah. I, I did like how at first she just said I'm doing science. I was like, are you going to go any more specifics into that? Yeah. <laughs> but then she did, which I thought was interesting. You know. I'm just yeah. sciencing all over the place, which we, we usually make fun of in Star Trek. We're just sciencing all over the place. But, mm. you know, Doctor Who, which is not necessarily known for its, you know, hard sci on the sci-fi end, is now, you know, starting to pick it up a little bit. And she's very Doctor. good, isn't she? She's very good at, at, mm-hmm. uh, at the, the scientific stuff. Yeah. Yes. Very... And, and all of the engineering stuff, you know. I love her welder's helmet. Yeah. <laughs> you know, she's rocking that. But she's good at, she's good at talking us through it, is, is, is what I... I mean, obviously, yes. the Doctor's always going to be good at the science stuff, but but mm. uh, but Jodie's very good at, at explaining explaining what she's doing, so... Yes, absolutely. And, and, you know, I think there may be method in that madness towards... Uh, more women in STEM and things like that. that so there's going to be a bunch of a uh, doctor science kit for kids in the for Christmas. Yeah, absolutely. How brilliant would that be? Build your own Sonic or something. Yes. <laughs> so again, I think Chibnall, in my mind, and there's another way of saying it, sort of creates the um, the uh, what do you call it? Not the the 
the living room drama almost kitchen sink drama yeah but of of sort of creating the small cast smallish cast i mean not including team tardis of all these characters we can almost see this as a stage play because he develops these sort of three or four extra characters in such an interesting way so you know we have um sort of young umbreen and then we have her her fiance slash husband prim and then uh manish the hit prim's brother and hasna the mother, if I'm saying all those names correctly, but I thought they each had good definition, giving the small time we knew mm. that there was meaning. You know, whether someone was a betrayal or a death or you know whatever, it all gave them life. Yes, yeah. yeah so I think this was this was the, the issue that I had with last week's episode was that there seemed to be a, a, a very large cast for a, for a short episode, and very mm. difficult to really get a handle on people with that whereas this one was far more contained I know it was a fairly large family obviously um, but it was it was because everybody was in together it made it a lot easier to as you say to get a flavour of everybody very very yes. quickly yeah now with you being a classic uh, we're going to make you a classic expert for the purposes of this <laughs> episode Miles so so the histories right this is a this is a history um and this is, I think, an interesting one when you have people like Yaz on Team TARDIS. You can sort of tell perhaps different stories or or at least have a stronger connection to the companions mm. and the doctors than you used to. So now we get a good uh, Empire story, if I can say use that mm-hmm. term, um, that, you know, we don't necessarily get that doesn't have as much meaning that if it doesn't involve one of the companions. But, you know, when you... I, like, I don't know if how much you knew about going into this episode. Did you knew it was going to be about Partition Day and then... What did you think about that once you either realized that or heard about it? Yeah, well, I'd, um, it was obviously when the, when the episode title came out and the brief synopsis, then, then clearly that was what it was going to be about. Um, Indian history is not something that was studied at school when I, <laughs> when I was there, possibly more these days in the more multicultural society that we live in. So I didn't really know a lot about it. I knew that Pakistan had come into existence pretty recently I didn't know all the ins and outs of it and I didn't realize it was um it was such an upheaval um and and a terrible time uh, and it was very interesting finding out that side of things and and really struggling to understand how such a terrible thing could have could have happened yeah, because I think it's an interesting story. I mean, from an American standpoint, of course, we're, we know nothing, of course. But, I mean, you know, of course, this is India and Pakistan history. I'm not trying to, to whitewash it. But it's British history in as much as, you know, who's responsible for Partition Day, you know. And, and, it, and it's, I wonder, as for, for a British audience, you know, both of, you know, the diverse audience that that is, you know, what those meanings are for, for people who watch that. Of, like, this is the thing that we did in, you know. Yes, the uh, the British Empire was uh, when I was growing up was was seen to be this great thing. Um, it was basically uh, <laughs> basically the British travelling around the world and imposing our ideals on people. Mm. Um, Planting <clears throat> flags. Yes, and whilst there were good things that came out of it, clearly it wasn't all good, and it was quite oppressive in some ways. And so the fact that this was recognized and you know countries were handed back to you know to their own governments and what have you um over the time has has obviously been a good thing and and um but in this instance 
possibly not handled as well as it could have been <laughs> in view of in view of what we've seen in the episode here and obviously what happened in in historical records mm-hmm and what, did you know anything about this going in, darling? No, no, I didn't. It it felt a little bit... I don't think I realized how many places there were like this. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it echoed a little bit of, of, you know, Irish history to me as well, and Northern Ireland and, and, and those sorts of arbitrary, you get to live on this side and we get to live on this side and, and never the twain shall meet mm. kind of things... Um, that seem to be such, and same thing with uh, Israel and Palestine. You know, you've or got that. Or, you know, yeah. yeah, you've <laughs> got these arbitrary lines that are supposed to draw apart people who really probably have way more in common Rock, than they have that, in yeah. differences. Yeah, so it's it it is a, a a historical norm, I suppose, that I find really frustrating because I don't understand it. I don't know mm. how to fix it. You know. Yes, yes. This this is the thing. I mean, I'm, I I don't come from a religious background, um, and so the idea of of people so um, so pulled apart by the idea of of their religious differences is is a very difficult one for me to come to terms with. Um, and this is clearly what was going on here. You know, it wasn't just the fact that some people were in one country when they had been in another country it was the fact that it was Hindus against Sikhs against Muslims and never the twain shall meet as you say and um, and intolerance is one of the worst sides of humanity and mm. clearly here you know it erupted into this dreadful terrible catastrophe and then do you, how do you think of the his, this kind of a history or the you know this season of, of histories you know how much it's teaching and telling a story well i think it's great because um i didn't i didn't like history at school particularly i found it very boring i found ge- i found geography boring and most of the knowledge that i seem to have i claim to have got through doctor who um <laughs> over the years as things have come up in the program that i've thought oh yeah that's interesting and those are the things so you're that an have expert sunk in. on aztecs and uh, yeah. marco polo <laughs> well, and, yeah this is this is the thing you know these these are the the the, the the knowledge that I have about these things are, the, are things that I've gleaned from Doctor Who. Obviously, not entirely accurate. You know, my no, my knowledge of the gunfight at the OK Corral is way out of factually, but um, <laughs> um, but yeah, this was when the when the show was created back in 1963. One of the things that Sidney Newman was very keen to to bring about was the fact that it was an educational as well as entertaining program, and we're getting that again this year. You know, I. Mm the the whole Rosa Parks civil rights movement in the U, in the US is not something certainly again going back to when I was at school which wasn't obviously that much after when the event happened but it was it wasn't taught partition didn't know anything about that so this is a this is a very useful thing to to um, inform the uh, the general public out there who might not know about these things and these are very very important historical events that we should have we should have learned about we should have known more about because if these things had been taught back at the, in the time when I was at school then there may have been a lot more tolerance than has ended up being over the years and if yeah. doctor who yeah. can help to accelerate that tolerance then amen 
Yeah, and having the sort of diversity of Team TARDIS kind of helps those stories because, you know, Ryan can tell the Rosa story better than, you know, Graham. And then, you know, well, you yes, say, can you tell. Well, you say that, but he couldn't, <laughs> could he? Because <laughs> he didn't, he didn't <laughs> actually know about it. But he was, true. But he was, could live it. He was living yeah. it because, yes. of, because of racial intolerance. Mm-hmm. So. And I, I think it's also making us face the fact that the, you know, as you've got written down here, that the villains are us mm-hmm. and sort of look at you know the the white people in southern america that they were the problem that it wasn't some demon or alien that we can blame the problem on it was the people who were living in the time and the same thing for um this episode you know the people who are responsible for this are the people Yes. In the story. Yes. Um, whether it be the, you know, the um, ephemeral British, because we obviously don't Lord see Mount that Batten. sort of, yes, yes. Um, or Manish and his ideas and things like that, mm. you know, we have to face that and take that responsibility, whatever that looks like. Yes, yes. And for, again, for, for the second time this season, the title of the story is is uh, misleading because mm-hmm. the woman who fell to earth the obvious thing you think is it's going to be the doctor well it was in a way but primarily it was grace in this one demons yes. of the punjab the demons aren't um the vajarians it's the racial intolerance and the, the hatred that was was within the human race those were the demons mm. And then just going to the supposed villains of the piece for a moment, I thought they were sort of interesting. They kind of remind me, and this is going to be like really far off, but they reminded me of the, um, I forget their name, the vulture people from Sarah Jane, ah. who were there for the funeral of the doctor. Oh, yeah. The skin yeah. sorry, was that something like Something. You know, yeah. of course, they, they turned out, you know, pretended to be good and then it turned out to be bad, but they're sort of the same. They were the, uh, the funeral people of the universe yes. and so that these assassins have now become the uh the witnesses of the yes. those who die alone it was possibly closer in fact to the to testimony from twice upon a time mm-hmm. oh that's true yes keeping the memories alive or at least yes yeah. yes yeah. yeah and and i liked that i wish we had gotten a, you know the, the episode was an hour and 15 minutes and I, I may say this at every episode I wish we'd gotten a little bit more about that change, that shift from assassin to memorialist. Mm. But again, um, very difficult to go into that much detail of it within the confines of the story, which, you know, in all honesty, again, the Vajarians weren't the focus of the yes. story. Yeah. You know, they were there they were there to be the red herring to make you think that they were the demons. Yes. Whereas uh, and, again, and it's ta- more pure historical. Really, this one and Rosa, we've had the the, the, the pseudo historical side with the with the sci fi element in it. Mm. But both stories are very, very much focused on the actual historical events. So in, in many ways there's they're more true historicals than than pseudo historicals still, I would say. Yes, and 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 focusing more on the Thajarans would have taken away from that. Um, I did. I did really love the end of it, though, mm-hmm. when they had the picture of Prim 
mm-hmm. uh, the holographic image, and then it rose, and there were so many other pictures uh, that just. I almost cried. <laughs> yes, that was brilliant. I was a little bit disappointed not to see the uh, floating Hartle and Troughton heads from um, Dimensions in Time in amongst those. <laughs> there's a there's a deep dive for you. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, and again, I'm sure, like everyone else, after these episodes, you go to Wikipedia. But I just want to read like a really short paragraph about Partition Day. Um, was again from Wiki. Uh, the newly formed governments had not anticipated and were completely unequipped for a two-way migration of such staggering magnitude, and the massive violence and slaughter occurred on both sides of the new India-Pakistan border. Estimates of the number of deaths vary, with low estimates at 200,000 and high estimates at 2 million. The worst case of violence among all regions is, is concluded to have taken place in Punjab. Virtually no Muslim survived in East Punjab, um, and virtually no Hindu or Sikh survived in West Punjab. So, yeah. Amazing. Just yeah. staggering, really, that, that people, people can do that to people. It's Yes. For, for they're your neighbors. Mm-hmm. That you can not just do it to, to faceless people, but the people who lived not your brother in the case of this particular <laughs> well, episode. Yes, and, and also yeah. when, when the um, when the, the, the lynch party were, were coming up, um, the guy on the horse that uh, the Prem said, Oh I know you oh, yes. we fought we fought in Siam. We, we you know we were a good team. Yeah. And that's the man with the gun. So presumably he's the one who actually shoots Prem. And yeah. they they'd been a team and because of this this partition and all that goes out the window. It's it's horrible, really horrible. And I mean, it's such as a writer, it's such an interesting premise to tell halfway through an episode that this character is going to die. Which would think like, oh well, then you know, well you've told me everything. But I think the power of how they deal with that through the second half, yes. and then of course not showing you it. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's so much power, and 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 again, it's almost that Rosa-like thing. You can't interfere in something horrible, yeah. because things have to go the way things are going to have to go. In other words, in order for Yaz not to be, you know, not born, um, you have to have this happen. And yes, I think so it was very clever the way that away. they um, the way that they did that this time with with not saying anything outright, but it became mm-hmm. as, as soon as it was immediately apparent that that Prem was not Yaz's grandfather. Mm-hmm. Them. Well, if he's not and he's marrying her, then but she married somebody else. So what's what's happening here? And you know, it dawns on you quite quickly that oh, he's not going to see this out, is he? Yeah, yeah. This is not going to go. This well. is not going to go well. Yeah. Uh, and then just to have the the sort of the I mean I'm sure it's not called a stag party in the Muslim Hindu <laughs> tradition but but having the the, the two uh, stag dudes. I think that Graham refers yeah. to it as a stag, but of course, he? yes, yeah. 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 That. he's still using uh, call the midwife uh, phrase. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I did love the fact that he was like, hey, I could sing you some oldies or some <laughs> current hits that you know. <laughs> well, that that's that's almost an in-joke because Bradley Walsh has recorded an album of classic tunes. He's actually a very good singer. So uh-huh. so his his comment about, oh, yes, I could, I could knock out a few tunes for you is... Um, and Ryan's is, like, please don't let him sing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, if they didn't let Billy Piper sing, yeah, they don't get to let 
Graham. Uh, <laughs> Graham. Have Same. Have you heard? Because I want to. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, we were. We are. Because. And I think Philip we... didn't know it until fairly recently, but uh, I lived in England, and so I was subjected to it <laughs> for a time. Yes. Oh, Bless good her. times. I know. <laughs> she was so little, and then she married Chris Evans, and it all got weird. But it all turned out well enough. It turned out just fine. Then she was a prostitute, and she had this diary or something, and yeah, no, it's good. Yeah, it's good. This is this is uh, in her acting career. I hasten to add, not that Billy Piper yes. became, <laughs> yes. became a prostitute. <laughs> just just to clarify that one before the lawsuits start flowing in. Yeah, no, fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. Oh, well, yeah, and I, I did like all the the doctor moments we've kind of talked about again. <laughs> I'm a fan of the 13th Doctor's nose because she just has this crinkly way of mm. just being annoyed or smiling or whatever or like it's the part where like he has his you know it's like you know our hour's up and he has like no I'll help you and she, Doctor just gives this sort of expression of like what what did you just do yeah. with ah her, so. her what her expression nose. is brilliant yes 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 darling any final thoughts on this episode. I, I did notice one last thing that they did have the the, the uh, I don't know what you call it the different theme tomb at the end you know sort oh. of modified mm. with a sort of a I don't know what the right term is subcontinent I don't know how to make it neutral between India and Pakistan yeah. uh, mm-hmm. sound so you know. yes yes no I thought I thought that was magnificent I thought after uh, obviously we had Rise Up came in for Rosa mm-hmm. uh, again which and I know a lot of people felt was. A, a bit of overkill at the end I, I thought it worked quite well personally um, but I thought this absolutely raised the bar in that in that respect um, I thought that that end title music was absolutely superb yeah I think I'm gonna put the whole episode pretty pretty darn close to the top maybe even mm. tying with Rosa mm. uh, Rosa the history of Rosa obviously as people who live in the south of America um, is something that's a little closer to the bone for us. Of course. But uh, I, I thought this one was beautiful, and now I want to go do all this research. And mm. I, I still think I still think Rosa is is the better episode personally, um, but I think that's because of the, um, the the shock value that it had with um, you know Ryan getting slapped in the early stages and yes yeah. and the dawning realization that. It was actually the doctor and and her companions who were the ones who actually had to be there at that time to make history happen. Mm. Whereas and the fact that just, it was awkward, or, or to keep yes, yes, from not <coughs> from not happening, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. And again, they were almost in that same situation then. I mean, the the doctor's face when the gunshot rings out at the end, yeah, that pained look of, of the helplessness that she couldn't she couldn't do anything because. Otherwise, you know, had Prem survived, obviously he would have gone off with Umbreen, and then there would have been no Yaz. So, mm-hmm. yes, so she yeah. couldn't. She literally couldn't interfere. And she could never visit exotic Sheffield. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if you've ever been to Sheffield, <laughs> that's really. But there, but there's obviously something exotic about Sheffield because Umbreen's accent was far more Indian. In 2018, <laughs> than it was in 1947. <laughs> well, there you go. There you go. 
Well, I was going to say, I don't, I don't know. I think maybe I did enjoy this episode more than Rosa. Of course, I mean, I enjoyed them both. But I think what Rosa has is that it affected everyone in that episode. In other words, there was this awkward thing where the gang could never talk anywhere because they didn't belong anywhere. You, you couldn't have a white, black, you know, brown person talking anywhere in Alabama in a public place, not in a hotel, not in a di- And so, like, the environment affected the team, whereas here, you know, they're all fine. It's just the people that they're encountering that are having yeah. the issues. Yes. Yeah. And thankful, thankfully, they, um, <laughs> Prem and, well, not not um, Manish, obviously, but the rest of Prem's family and, and Umbreen's family were, were very tolerant. Um, but, you know, as was mentioned several times, the fact that it was it was the British who f- forced this situation upon them, they weren't the exactly flavour of the month there as a nation. Yes. So yeah, um, yeah. I, I like a Grimm's like oh, all the way from England and Prim's like yeah, I wouldn't yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> don't, get, don't get down that road. <laughs> oh, I remember what it was. I did like the throwaway line where Prim says, "Your Punjab's very good," indicating you know that the the TARDIS translator is is working her magic. But it was just a little throwaway line. It wasn't a big deal. It was just there. Mm. It is. Yeah. You know, I thought that was a nice moment. Mm-hmm. There, there were some lovely lines in this. There was uh, there was the conversation between Graham Ryan and Prem, where Graham. Uh, says all we can strive to be is good is good men. I thought that mm-hmm. was that was a lovely line. The doctor's ceremony speech I thought was mm-hmm. very nice as well. Um, yes. And and then Prem when he goes off to face his brother and the, the lynch party saying, um, what was it? These are demons I have to face alone. Yeah. You know, harking back to the title of the episode and making you think, ah, yeah, the de- that's not the demons. These are the demons, of course. Yeah. Yep. So all ties in yeah and I also thought that Graham was very much playing <laughs> the grandpa in this episode and I don't mean that just to Ryan though to to Ryan but he was sort of like the old wise man I mean he was you know not in a pompous way or anyone you know because he's a very simple man but he was sort of saying these sort of wise truisms from someone who's lived a mm-hmm. life yes. to Ryan about all these things and do you think perhaps it was a nod to the fact that the the holy man mm-hmm. the wise man is assassinated fairly early, or dies yeah no assassinated yeah, fairly yes, early on yeah. and so somebody well, has to fill that role yeah 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 yes yeah. yeah I thought I thought again Bradley Walsh knocked it out of the park in mm. this one that that scene again with Prem where he knows at this point that Prem is going to die and the emotion in his face, the quiver in his lip, and you can see the, the tears welling up in his eyes. It's, it's a superb piece of acting. He's Once again, he's, he's showing, to, showing people exactly how good an actor he is. Jessica. Yeah. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> but yes, no, he has, he has proved to be much more invaluable than I initially was prepared to give him credit for. So I was wrong. I was wrong. Well, we've we've wrong. we've been down this route before. With obviously when Billy Piper was cast as Rose, and everybody thought, "Oh no, she's a singer. She's a pop star. What's this? What's this going to be about?" You know, a one-hit wonder. A one-hit no wonder. Yes. Yeah. Um, but again, you know, she showed her range, and and from an acting perspective, she was she was extremely good. Um, yeah. We had it with Nicholas Parsons in um, Curse of Fenric. He was known as a as a game show host. Um, and again, you know, he was one of the the standouts from that particular story. And Bradley Walsh is doing exactly the same on this, which just goes to show that you shouldn't 
judge somebody by the one thing that you know them for because people can be a lot more um, a lot more talented and have a much wider range of, of abilities than you first think yes Catherine Tate I think is a yes yeah exactly example. yeah a perfect example well Miles we'll give you the last word here about this episode and the 13th Doctor mm. um, yeah well um, I thought that the look of it again was magnificent and that um, the scene where they're they're riding on the cart um, with the oxen pulling it mm. tells you that we are definitely not 1963 to 1989 territory <laughs> um, it definitely we, was not a quarry in Wales it definitely wasn't <laughs> I do think potentially that, that one of the forest scenes may have been filmed in the UK because that, mm. that looked slightly more UK based but the rest of it was, was quite clearly somewhere else and yes not filmed in a quarry and not not Cardiff made to look like somewhere else I thought the special effects were exceptional I thought the uh, the transmat effects mm-hmm. um, from the Vajarians were, were, were brilliant and that scene where um, where they found the ship and they get transported inside the ship yes. was particularly well done because the doctor is speaking and continues the sentence as they go inside without any break whatsoever and you can just the tone of it all changes when they're inside the ship Uh, and it just added to the fact that this strange sort of swirly disappearing effect just 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 brought it home as to how good that was um yeah i thought the the music as well throughout again um evoking you know the flavor of the region uh, mm-hmm. Again, was was something that lifted the episode. So, on the whole, yes, I would say that, um, you know, after what some people have considered a, a possibly a, a rough couple of weeks, um, we're we're right back on form again with this, and ironically, a, a non Chris Gibnall penned episode. Yeah. Hmm. Um, whether that's because as showrunner he's having to focus uh, on everything and therefore not able to focus on the stories that he's writing so much I don't know um, whether this means that as time goes on he should maybe allow more people to to come up with the stories and he just deal with the the overreaching things from the season because um, mm. those are the episodes that we've had so far that have really stood out yeah. Yes, and of course they've been, you know, written by exceptional writers as well. Yes. I mean, Ones who had a personal. Uh... Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, it's not just you know whoever's in the writers' room. It's go out and find these these writers mm. and and bring them into this, which I think is great. Yes, and as good a writer as as Chris Chibnall is, as good a writer as Stephen Moffat or Russell T Davis uh, have been. You couldn't have had Rosa written by anyone other than a black man or woman, ideally woman. Um, Similarly with this, you had to have somebody of Indian-Pakistan descent originally, you know, writing this story. If it had been written by a 48-year-old white man, then it really wouldn't have had the same flavour because you have to have, you have to be deeply ingrained in that story to start with to, to, to make it come out the way it's come out. Because I imagine it's a great end joke of I don't remember the name, but like an uncle Maji, like everyone has an uncle. And she's <laughs> yes. like, yes, that yes, one. That's the one. <laughs> <laughs>
All right, Miles. Well, if folks want to talk to you more about the 13th Doctor adventures or any of the classic Who that came before it, where can they find you on the interwebs? Uh, they can find me predominantly on Facebook. Um, I am there. Miles Northcott is my name. Though I don't think there's any more of me other than me <laughs> out there. So you can find me there. Um, you can find me through Doctor Who's Line Is It Anyway. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. Um, I'm more than happy to talk to anybody about Doctor Who at any point. Um, if anybody wants to listen to uh, to our podcast, then it's on it's on iTunes um, or Apple Music, I suppose I should call it now. Um, and again, can be found. You can find us through Twitter and Facebook. Um, and of course, if anybody wants to actually join in, as as Philip has done, and as hopefully Jessica will do at some point, <laughs> um, then then obviously we're more than welcome to. Uh, you're more than welcome to do so. We're always on the lookout for people, and and everybody is welcome to come and have a go. You know, even if they don't think they can do it, give it a try. It's fun. We have a laugh. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thanks for coming, Miles. That's all right. No, thank you for having me. I've, um, I'm only a, a recent devotee to your podcast, but I've enjoyed every episode I've listened to so far and will continue to do so. When you close your eyes... I go to the library. Go to the library now. Now we go into the TARDIS library, and this time we're going to be doing a book. We're going to be doing... Dying in the Sun by John DeBerg Miller, if I'm saying that name correctly. This book was released 1 October 2001. And, darling, do you want to do the synopsis here? Yes, please. It was the City of Angels, and the angels were screaming. Los Angeles, 1947. Multi-millionaire movie producer Harold Reitman has been murdered and the LAPD are convinced that drug dealer Robert Chait is the killer. Detective William Fletcher isn't so sure. He believes that the man who calls himself the doctor has a stronger connection to the crime than he's letting on. While the doctor assists the police with their inquiries, Starlight Pictures are preparing to release their most eagerly anticipated movie yet, Dying in the Sun, a film that rumors say will change the motion picture industry forever. Suspecting that the film holds secrets more terrifying than anyone could ever have imagined, the doctor decides to do everything in his power to stop it from being released. In Hollywood, however, it is the movie studios that hold all the power. Now, this is a book that you have read and that I haven't, so you'll be giving me a non-spoilery review oh, here. Okay. Yes, so, this is my book report. Exactly. For by today. Jessica Nunn. By Jessica Nunn. <laughs> you double-spaced everything in font 14. Wait yeah, a minute. Yeah. And, <laughs> and used that, what is it, Courier New that made all the font just a little bit bigger. Mm -hmm. It was perfect. Now, it's interesting just from the, because I know nothing about this, but just the summary is almost sounds like a film noir. Is that what it is? Or is it just a description? Yeah. It maybe could be considered that way a little bit, but not really. Um, this was a second Doctor adventure with Ben and Polly, and that was very exciting because I haven't seen very much of them mm -hmm. in the um, in the television series that we've watched thus far. And it was really interesting. The idea is, and now I'm, I'm mulling over, am I giving spoilers <laughs> away? The idea is that the movie is drawing people into this cult-like thing. Okay. And, of course, aliens are involved. 
this was a lot. There was a lot going on in this. There were the police. There were the and and the poli- the police were heavily involved. the The synopsis suggests that it's just Detective Fletcher, but there are lots of different police officers involved. And then there's the underground crime syndicate people, and then there's the movie cinema people, movie cinema, uh-huh. um, the movie people, and. It was a lot to keep in my head as to which characters were doing what and which characters were bad and which were good and which were kind of bad, but maybe not too bad. And then Polly goes off and does her own thing, and that doesn't turn out necessarily all that well. What? Um, yeah. Spoilers. Uh, she does actually fire a gun at Ooh. some point. Yeah. Uh, so that's worth checking out. It, it was a good story. It didn't feel a hundred percent like a doctor story. Mm-hmm. The, I just, if this, the, the idea, or at least again from the summary of the second doctor solving a murder, this doesn't seem very second doctory. But I don't, you know, what do I know? Yes, and again, you know, it, it was definitely sci-fi because mm-hmm. the aliens are there. But I think it could have stood on its. I mean, the doctor could have been any detective uh-huh. it could he could have been you know fletcher could have figured the whole thing out i mean he he wasn't portrayed as particularly bright so maybe not him but a a police detective who was following it through so yeah i i'm not sure i learned anything new about ben and polly and the doctor from this and it's, so it's an american set story yes is that weird or because i assume it's a british writer I don't know if it's a British writer or not. It, no, not necessarily weird. Just not doctory. Right. You know, the TARDIS doesn't feature at all. Obviously, with the second Doctor, there's no screwdriver or anything like that. So it really is just the Doctor using his deductive reasoning. And like I say, that that could have been anybody. How does he fit in, or does he? Um... Like into the air, how does he make himself, or does it just? Yeah, there's no uh, suggestion that he makes himself fit in at all. Okay. Um, I would also like to point out that at no point does he play the recorder. Oh, so disappointing. Yeah, all the things that I or look for in a aunt. doctor. Yeah, no. My giddy aren't there, <laughs> and he's apparently there because the first man who's killed, Harold Reitman was a friend of his, mm-hmm. apparently, from something. And so, again, it felt like it didn't need to be a doctor story. Mm-hmm. There were aliens, so it was sort of film noir meets sci-fi, meets cop movie, meets, you know, it was it was a little muddled. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm really interested to read another doctor book because I'm not sure that this one, while I enjoyed it, I'm not sure this one makes me go, yes, I need to read more in the Doctor Who series. And what about, you mentioned Polly. What about Ben? What He's usually the uh, random testosterone man. Yeah, no, man. he mostly just sort of follows around after the Doctor. Okay. He doesn't really get a whole lot of his own sort of mm-hmm. action. Um, and Polly's off doing... Princess. Yes, and well, interestingly enough, because one of the things about this is that there's a way, and again, I don't want to do many spoilers, um, there's a way that the movie stars are appearing even more beautiful and alluring and amazing to the general public, and she gets involved in that Mm -hmm. and becomes more beautiful and charming and alluring to the public, 
um, and then has a moment of being kind of nasty to the doctor and Ben. So, mm-hmm. yes, if Princess is what her general character is on the show. Well, that's what Ben always calls her. Oh, right. Then, mm-hmm. yes, she mm-hmm. lives up to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I say, I didn't feel like I walked away knowing a whole lot more about Polly and Ben. Or even the second doctor. Or even the second doctor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Okay. So would you recommend this or what would be your one uh, to five or yes or no or, or what is it? Buy, borrow, trash or whatever. <laughs> buy, borrow, <laughs> trash. I think borrow. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, it's definitely, it's a good little story. Mm-hmm. Um, again, like I say, there were a lot of characters and so I got confused in places, you know, trying to figure out who fit into where and. And because, again, you know, and we've talked about this watching the show, with this many characters, it was hard to care about anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not 100% sure there were any real good guys other than the Doctor and Ben and not even Polly because she <laughs> does her thing. So, yeah, that that's, for me, that's a frustrating thing. But I think it's definitely worth reading. It's an interesting story. Again, you get the aliens who are not evil necessarily. Um, even though they are a threat, they are not necessarily evil. And that I always like that, where it's not just, hey, they're bad guys. But again, we don't get a whole lot of history on the aliens. And it's just that they're there and we've got to figure out how to get rid of them. And so, yeah. Okay. Borrow it. Okay. Borrow it. I give it a three out of five. Okay. Well, there you go. Sounds like the sounds like a review. So, <laughs> if you would like to send us any further Doctor Who book suggestions, maybe you can borrow us. We'll do a little book exchange program. Oh yeah. That's right. Um, you can reach me at NC Public Servant on Twitter, and I'm at One Phoenix Theater. So next week we'll be talking Kerplam. That was scary. Well, that is the next episode title. For for the 13th? <laughs> yes. Excellent. So, until next week, enjoy watching, listening, and reading about the Doctor's adventures throughout time, time and space. This is BBC Television.